It. Um, good day, um, good morning from my side. Uh, it's such a, a privilege to, to be with you. Um, where's the lady that just led the worship? Is, is she? Miriam. Is she here? Uh, but can you maybe just tell her that I really felt in my spirit that there's songs in her spirit um, that the world needs to know. And I believe there's anointing on her to write songs. Um, yeah, wow, powerhouse. She's uh, just incredible. Thank you, Jonathan and the elders, also for inviting me and to be able to share with you today. It's such a privilege um, uh, from, from my side. And maybe also, yes, uh, congratulations to you, Lani and Marcel. Eh? Yes, it's so, like, marriage is one thing, but children... In for a bumpy ride. <laughs> it's great. Just love it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, um, awesome. So I've been part of the of this amazing family for the last twelve years, pastoring for the last eight, and we've got two amazing boys, Alexander and um, and Samuel, my, and then obviously my wife. I don't know if my family is up there. It was. Okay, so you see, I've got a beautiful wife. She's my queen. We, we've, uh, we've been married for the last 10 years. We celebrated literally last week or the week before that 10-year anniversary. And, uh, and it's always like when we celebrate our 10-year or our anniversary, that's also your anniversary because the church was planted when I got married. <laughs> huh? Yeah, Willows was planted when I got married. And yeah, so it's always a great reminder, and that's why it's so special for me to come and preach with you today. Um, I really have an anticipation in my spirit of what God is about to do with this church. Um, I think you're on the brink of amazing things, and may God you know, just lead you as eldership, as leadership, but also you, each one of you as disciples of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so, what a ride so far. I've got one small gray hair on the side that I pluck out every now and then, but at least, John, my, my hairline is still populated. Amen. <laughs> so I want to share with you a secret about myself, small secret. Um, I have a, a hidden interest in the English royal family. Okay. Don't, why did you laugh so loud now, okay? That's not even judging me, that's, that's condemning me, okay? Okay, you can judge me, that's fine. Um, I, 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 it's not that I follow Harry and Meghan, like, but I just have this, this interest of the history um, and, and, you know, the way that they do things, their culture and their traditions, the way that they, they um, you know, just... Do things. I really find an interest. Anyone watched the funeral last year? No. Yes, Lorna. Eh? Danny Lorna. I was there with popcorn. <laughs> the whole day I watched the funeral. <laughs> I promise you. 
was crying. <laughs> you remember when the, when the queen, when she, she, she went away under the church, like that moment, I was like, my queen. <laughs> and then my wife walked in. She's like, I thought, <laughs> what is going on here? I was your queen, but anyway, so um, don't tell too many people about this. But so not too long ago, I watched this series on Netflix about the, the, um, a certain part in this English history. It's the, the, um, the House of Tudor, when the House of Tudor started ruling the, the English throne. And so this was the time when King Henry VII was the king, and um, he was the first Tudor king. And then his son, King Henry VIII, he was next in line. And, and he was a very dramatic king, very animated um, he, he had six wives. He was the one that rebelled against the, the Roman Catholic Church. He abused his authority and many other things. Among also, he took royalty to a whole new level. You know, the crowns and the robes, the excessive spending that he did, the titles. He, he enforced certain titles um, for himself. And so he lived in wealth, looking at his clothes, the food, the land, the castles. It was just just a splendor and royalty, right? The royalty, what we almost get used of, of what, what royalty is supposed to be if we look at the royal family and whatever kings and queens should be, very much our picture of royalty. And so we'll get back to this in a moment. But my topic today that I want to share with you in this new sermon series that you are starting is um, the unexpected king. The unexpected king. Say to the person next to you, the unexpected king. And so in Mark 1, we read about a much different king, a very much an unexpected king than King Henry VIII or Queen Elizabeth II or King Charles III that is now going to be in place. And so if you have your Bibles with, with you, you're welcome to open up in, in, in Mark chapter 1, and uh, if, you have, if you bring your Bibles to church, it's always good to read together from our, from our Bibles. Yes, Lindley. Great. Okay, so we're going to read together Mark 1. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And let's skip verse 5, go to verse 6. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Verse 8. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then it speaks about this baptism in verse 9. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, and when he came up out of the water, listen to this, immediately he saw 
the heavens being torn open. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. And with you I am well pleased. Verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. Being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. And then it says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And verse 15 saying, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Lord, thank you for your word. (laughs) Thank you that... It changes lives to this day. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, Mark is is the short version, um, the short version of Jesus' story, but not to Jews. The, the audience was Gentiles. And so it's, it's this action-packed, like, like there, there's no fluff. They didn't, the, the, the writer of Mark, which was Mark, he didn't need to put all the genealogies and the, the, the law and the prophets like Mark, like Matthew and Luke. It's like to the point, immediately. The word immediately, I think, is more than 70 times in the Bible. Half of that is in the chapter of, oh, is in the book of Mark. And so he's getting to the point quickly. And so it's this download of the good news of Jesus, right, to a people who wanted to know about Jesus. A Jewish story to a Gentile audience. And so Mark makes this big statement right from the beginning to these people who do not know Jesus or about Jesus or the law and the prophets, and he's saying the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. And so just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to detach yourself from any, any religion or Sunday school animations that you've made up Jesus to be. And I want you to hear this voice. Jesus, the Son of God. The King of the world. Not of England or Spain. The king of the world. You're welcome to open your eyes. And the very first thing Mark wanted us to know is the good news. This is good news of the king. And so for us to understand just how counterculture Jesus was and lived, It is very important for us to understand just how unexpected he was. Because if we can understand how unexpected he was, then maybe we can live like he lived. Because then we can identify and relate. Because all of that was designed for us to live a counterculture life. Amen? Are you with me? 
And so these first 15 verses of Mark 1 highlighted Jesus' preparation. It highlighted his coronation. And it highlighted his justification. Those three things. And so we're going to um, speak into those three areas. His preparation, his coronation, and his justification. Big words. And so let's speak about for a moment an unexpected preparation. An unexpected preparation. And so in ancient times, if you, if you think about kings and royalty and King Henry and Queen Elizabeth, and they would go and enter into a town and make a visit, they would always prepare in two ways. The first way was they would prepare physically. They would make sure that there's no potholes and... Um, you know, that the, that the road is clear because the king is coming. And the second way that they would prepare is they would send heralds, messengers with trumpets, proclaiming that the king is coming. You know those, those trumpets with the, yeah, you see those trumpets with the, with the, with the little flags making almost a little bridge and and. and uh, and a royal guard, and, and red carpets, you know. And the KFC was out, because the king is coming. So listen to verse 2 and 3. I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the way, the voice of one crying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so if we look at the Old Testament, which ended in Malachi, and we go to Matthew, there's a 400-year time, time there, timeline. But God was silent in these years. And so God was silent from the end of the Old Testament until the beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke. That time was 400 years. Okay? So there's many Old Testament prophecies that was before these silence that, that actually prophesied the messenger that will prepare the way. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, A voice cries, prepare the way of the Lord. Malachi 3 verse 1, a messenger to prepare the way. So can you, can you anticipate that, th that, that these people are waiting for the messenger to come and prepare the way? God's been silencing or silenced for 400 years. And so they are in anticipation of the messengers that will herald that the king is coming. What do you think were they waiting for? For the trumpets? For, maybe for the, for, the, for the red carpet? Maybe for the drums? Or a royal guard? But this is what they got. John. John. This is boys, John. <laughs> Verse 6. Clothed with camel's hair. You're like, what? 400 years, Lord. And he wore like a leather belt. I can just imagine like a forefather or something. <laughs> I don't know. He's from the wilderness. Around his waist. And he ate locusts. Anyone at Sprinkana? Grasshoppers for breakfast? Wild honey. And he's saying, 
proclaiming. He's almost this mad guy, this, this guy, and he's saying, um, after me comes he who is mightier than I. You're like, what are you doing? 400 years, Lord. And John. There was no trumpets. It was grasshoppers. But John was the forerunner. John was the forerunner. He was the messenger to announce the coming of the king to prepare the way. And they did not recognize him. They missed him. They missed him. 400 years, Lord. You were silenced for 400 years and you give us John. Why? Have you ever wondered why? They planned, they, they planned the coronation of King Charles III now, maybe in eight months. maybe, And it's going to be glorious. You'll see. So we're going to see it on our TVs. God had 400 years. And he's saying, John, have you wondered why? God needed that moment to be relatable. For who? For us. For you and me. Anyone had honey this morning, maybe? Yeah. Anyone is wearing maybe a leather jacket or a leather belt? God needed that moment to be relatable for us. Do you know why? Because God designed that moment to be timeless, to be generational, to be eternal. So that we can prepare the way for the king to this day. For you and me to be messengers of the king into people's lives that's going through a tough time. Do you remember the person who was the messenger to you in your life? For me, it was my mom. I love her so much because of her, because of her being a herald of God's good news and his coming into my life. I could accept him on a certain day when I was 10 years old and my life looks different. I have a calling on my life. I have a purpose and I know where I'm going because of that day. Because my mom was a messenger. It wasn't just that moment when John proclaimed, it was for us to to this day be messengers of the king. Amen? An unexpected preparation for us to relate. Secondly, an unexpected coronation, and I maybe went myself ahead, but a coronation is the act of, or the ceremony of crowning a king or a queen. And so none of us have ever seen before our eyes a coronation in real life. And you will in the month of May. So check your TVs out. Okay? <laughs> yes, I know when it's going to be. King Charles III is going to be crowned as the king. It's going to be his coronation. And you will see the splendor, the crown, the orb. You will see the scepter. It's going to be magnificent. And I will sit there with my popcorn. Netani Lona. 
But listen to verse 9 and verse 11. It says, verse 10, And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Heaven being torn open. Can you imagine? God breaking into human experience to deliver his people. And it's this graphic demonstration that the moment had come for God to intervene and to usher in his kingdom. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. Coming down and he remained on him. And God the Father declaring his delight in Jesus, saying, You are my son, my love. I'm well pleased with you. A ceremony that took place in a dam, in a sea. And these statements confirm two important, very important messianic texts, again from the Old Testament. The Lord said to me, you are my son, Psalm 2 verse 7. And Isaiah 42 verse 1 said, I have put my spirit upon you. And in that moment, in that moment, Jesus was crowned king of the world. It was his coronation. Beautiful. A moment, listen to this, that you and I, can identify with to this day. When we get baptized, we identify with Jesus. And I was 10 years old. A moment I will never forget. But when I came up out of the water, God declared, you are my adopted son. Welcome into royalty. Huh? We can identify with this to this day. And at his crucifixion, Jesus was given a crown of thorns and a robe. And they thought they are, they are coronating him as the king of the Jews. But they missed his coronation. They missed it. They did not recognize him. And they killed him. And they mocked him. Because he was never the king of the Jews. He was the king of the world. For generations to come. Amen. And therefore, he could defeat sin and evil. And establish a way by which all of us can become part of his family. Of his kingdom. Such an unexpected coronation for you and me to identify. And lastly, an unexpected justification. Justification is one of those big words that you feel like, okay, it's really unnecessary. It's in its essence. <laughs> Could you not get a better word? Maybe salvation. But justification is one of those things. You know when the, when the king would stand like this? And they would hear the crowd... Yes, yes. And he would go like that. 
I would kill him, kill the people. Justice was served. And this was very much King Henry VIII as well. You know, he would, based on how he feel, that was one of his things, based on feelings, when he woke up in the morning, if he had a good day, if it was a good day, he would live. If he woke up and, you know, he was irritated and bad, a few heads would roll, sent to the gallows, and you would die. Because they got what they deserved. But listen to verse 13. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was just crowned the king. It was just his coronation ceremony. And immediately after that, he didn't go to a throne to rule. He went to the desert. Why? Israel spent 40 years wandering in the desert. Do you remember? If you go and read in the Old Testament, they wandered around 40 years in the, in the desert. And so Jesus' 40 days in the desert point to him as the antitype of their sin. His victory over the devil's temptation in the desert symbolized that his success in place of their failures. Jesus' victory in the desert was in the place of their failures that was in the desert. And so Jesus replaced them. He justified them in that moment. And not just them. He justified us by not going to a throne but to the desert. So that that moment can be eternal, generational, timeless. So that he is not ruling on a throne, a political throne to, to, to just free his people in that moment from the Roman rule. He's freeing us to this day. He's sitting on the throne of our hearts and he's ruling. Jesus is the only one that can justify us. He's the only one that can free us. And he's the only one that can save the human heart. When he did that, he said, I am the king of your heart, not of a nation. I am the king of your heart. And to this day, he is the king of our hearts. He came to save and rule your heart. And, and when I say your heart, I mean your, your whole heart. And when I say your whole heart, I mean your whole life. And this is where it gets tricky for us as Christians, right? Because we only want to choose which parts want Jesus to rule. Last year, Samuel was very sick. That's my youngest, one and a half years old. Some of you will know. We almost lost him. And in that moment, there's a place where, you know, your kids is your kids. Like Jesus can rule in many areas, finances, relationships, whatever, my kids. And I came to the end of myself. I couldn't do it anymore. And I went up a mountain, and I built a little altar. I said, Lord, please don't take him. There's nothing I can do. I had to get off the throne and say, Lord, please help me. Can you rule my whole life? You know, it's easy for us to say, you can rule everything, Lord. But I'm still going to move out of the country because it's going for the dogs. No. 
When we say Jesus rules, He rules everything. He's the Lord of all. Does that make sense? Because He came to justify us. Such an unexpected preparation. Coronation. Justification. So I want to conclude with verse 15. And I want to, as we do this, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. I want to read verse 15. Jesus proclaimed that the time is fulfilled. I want you to hear this. Jesus proclaimed that the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Take a deep breath. Each one. And listen to this. The time is fulfilled. The king is here. He's in the room. Because his coming wasn't for a moment in history. It was timeless. It was generational. So that you and I can live countercultural to this day. <laughs> because of his example. Thank you, Lord. And if there's some of you maybe this morning saying, never asked Jesus to be the king of my heart, to rule my whole heart, to rule my life. I don't know him. I want to know this king, such a gracious king. And you just want to for a moment raise your hand. We would like to pray with you. amazing that all of us know him but there's a world that do not know him and Jesus asking us to be the messenger to be the herald for those who do not know him to prepare the way for the king because he's coming into your life, into your heart Maybe there's some of you saying this morning that Jesus is not, Jesus is king of my heart, but not in all areas. And if that's you, will you raise your hand? There's maybe certain areas that you just want to fresh, just want to place before Jesus' feet. Thank you, I see those hands. saying Lord will you be the king and the Lord of everything if that's you I, I want you to, to pray with me Lord will you rule 
my life. Will you direct my step? Will you be a light to my path? I have come to the end of myself. I cannot do this anymore. I need you to help me, to give me guidance, to rule my heart, Lord. And this morning, I want you to place those areas of your life before Jesus. I want to give you a moment just to say, first of all, sorry, Lord. I'm sorry that I'm taking these things into my own hands, thinking I can do it. But I have come to the end of myself. I cannot. I need you. I need the king to step into the situation. Lastly, I want to pray for those of you that are saying, Lord, I want, I'm so thankful for the person that was a messenger in my life, but I would like to be a messenger preparing the way for you to bring change in other people's lives. If that's you, I want you to stand. Stand with me. King tell him use me Lord as your messenger just like you, you use John Lord, we want to place our lives before your feet this morning. And I want to pray, Lord, for these people, for your people, myself included, Lord. And just again this morning, Lord, we want to say and proclaim, Lord, that we want to be your messengers, Lord. Lord, we want to walk in front saying, prepare the way for the King, for He's coming. We want to walk into people's lives, Lord, that need you and say there's only one Savior, He's the one that will be able to save your life and redeem your situation. And this morning, Lord, we want to say we want to be part of that, Lord. Use us, Lord. Thank you for what you have done in our lives. Thank you that we can sit here this morning and listen to this word, Lord. But there's many, Lord, who do not know you. May we be messengers of your good news. That Jesus died on the cross. Three days later, he rose. And he's the king 
not just of the time, but for eternity. We praise you in Jesus' name.